Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And on this episode of the first round, Matt and I are going to discuss Pig. Or, you know, the the zoological version of John Wick. We're also going to spend a few minutes discussing the Tomorrow War, which is the next big potentially sci-fi blockbuster with Chris Pratt. And I think, Matt, we're going to talk a little bit about why I feel maybe Chris Pratt isn't a leading man after all. We'll tell you what's coming up on physical media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then finally, Matt and I will wrap up the show talking about TFR Libs. This is our fill-in-the-blank game. We'll see how similar we are in our suggestions. There's been a lot of news lately, so every now and then we'll trip over each other because we'll have similar ones. Hopefully that won't be the case this time. Either way, let's see what's going on with Nick Cage and that GD pick. What's up, man? Beautiful. Woo. I know this little fucker does it. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. You sure you don't want one of those um, camp showers? You know, the ones with the propane and the hot water? What about that phone? I don't want to be the one to drive up and find you, like, dead. You know, there's like animals and shit out here. Okay. Oh. Good talk, Rob. So, Matt, what is Pig all about? And I opened up talking about it as being the zoological version of John Wick, though in some ways it's very much not that. So, uh, what's going on with this movie? So Nick Cage plays a recluse truffle hunter named Rob um, who uses a pig to um, uh, hunt truffles, which are one of the most expensive um, ingredients that you can use. Two people break in in the middle of the night, steal his pig, and he, with the aid of his supplier or the people, person he, sold, he sells the truffles to, they go on a hunt to get his pig back through the seedy underbelly of, Paul, of Portland's culinary institutions. <laughs> Indeed. And I think that's really one of the things that took me by surprise, Matt, is that this is like the anti-John Wick, right? Mm-hmm. Where it has this subculture going on in the film. And I really feel like you need to go into this thing as cold as possible. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try and avoid talking about as many details as I can. So this may be a rather short discussion. But I was really impressed with this film. And I thought it looked good. I heard rave reviews. I'm thinking, all right, well, it's going to be Nick Cage, you know, going on this blood-soaked revenge tour trying to find his pet pig. Because you right. look at his recent work over the last few years, he's been churning out these just, let's say, less than stellar action films. Right. And I expected, you know, is this going to be like Mandy, but with a pig? But <laughs> no, it's very much not that. This, Matt, is a beautiful film and it glides kind of from encounter to encounter constantly subverting our expectations i think at every turn and it really it it solidified for me the beauty of nick cage as an actor he'll do anything so if you're able to grab him for something unusual or new or different you know he's going to be all in and he is just a force in this film he's very subdued 
but he's filled with melancholy and sorrow. And I mean, he's desperate to reject all that he was because he's so consumed with loss. And it's just, the film is a marvel of melancholy is what, is what my note reads. There's this one scene in a restaurant where the film transitioned for me from this fascinating kind of oddity into this meditative, gripping, sorrowful drama. And I was almost moved to tears. He has this particular line delivery that just absolutely floored Lee Matt. It was incredible and possibly my favorite scene in a film this entire year. It's a fantastic experience. What are your, what are your thoughts on Pig? Yeah, I mean, it's a gorgeous film. Um, and this is obviously the kind of more quiet, subdued, meditative side of Nick Cage. Like you're not going to get him screeching. Or as I was looking forward for a movie for the um, streaming pick of the week, I, I, I discovered that he has something called Willie's Wonderland, which is called built as an action horror film that I suddenly want to watch. And that's more what I expect to get out of mm-hmm. Nick Cage these days. But that's not what this is. And I think I don't want to spoil it too much, but this is a revenge film where the revenge is kind of upturned on its head. I mean, you go in expecting one thing and you get something completely different. I will say, in contrast to my esteemed co-host here, I will say that this film at no point moved me to tears or hit me in an emotional place. When he's talking to the guy about the... I don't want to to ruin it, but for anybody (laughs) who sees it. Oh, man. No, I I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. It just maybe hit me different. I think it's a deliberate meditative piece that is gorgeous to look at. It's very well acted. It's a little, it it relies on you to keep up. It doesn't really explain a lot of what's going on. It just kind of unfolds at its own pace. I think it's a a very interesting film. I, I I enjoyed it, although I don't think I quite enjoyed it to the point where I was emotionally moved like Chris was. Well, I'm a big softy and we know your heart has been, is black and has been (laughs) dead for many years. So, like I said, I just, I don't want to say much more because I don't want to spoil this for anybody. I'm just telling you that this is, and this is kind of what's all over the internets right now is a reminder of how powerful an actor Nick Cage really is and how great he is. And I agree with that statement. And so I don't want to just keep reiterating that, but really just fascinating, fantastic stuff here. And a strong cast all around. Alex Wolf, who we saw, of course, in Hereditary. Uh, Adam Arkin shows up, who's a guy I never really seem to see that much anymore. So I was happy to see him show. And uh, just a film that just keeps you, I don't know, Matt, what the right frame. It's not its not like it keeps you on your toes, but it's just, like you said, it subverts your expectations every time. And it is just keep in mind that it is deeply, it's sometimes very sad. And that's the mood we're going for here. Even with these little spikes of what is the hell is actually happening here? I don't know. I'm clearly out of adjectives, Matt. I'm, I, I don't know. It's just I'm trying to avoid revealing anything. So I'm just going to stop. And I'm going to tell you, see it. I'm giving Pig an A. Uh, an A, huh? Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give it a B plus. It's a very it's a very good film. I don't think it's an A film, though. We're about halfway through the year where Chris starts throwing out A's like they're Halloween candy. So we'll see what happens come towards the end of the year. And we do have the issue. When I was walking out of the theater, I said to myself, well, this is probably the best film I've seen this year so far. But then I forgot that we're folding in like mm-hmm. Judas and the Black Messiah. We're doing, you know, I think it is Nomadland. All mm-hmm. that stuff is going to be in our year because that's when it came out here was right. uh, 2021. So 
I think right now this will be in my top 10, but um, we'll see how the year shakes out, Matt says, as I start, you know, handing out A's like candy, like I tend to do. So will your film make that list, folks? I don't know. Let us know. We'll review it, and I'll let you know if you get that uh, coveted A that I seem to love just handing out. So if you had a chance to see Pig, which is currently playing in select theaters all over the country, choose an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. All right, coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, July 27th. Well, I just, you know what? I, don't, I got nothing clever or funny for this. It's it just, just enjoy. I got to talk to you. Hi, Johnny. What, what is this? What are you doing? Pretty good stuff, huh? I organized a hockey team for Chris and some of his friends, huh, Chris? We have our first practice this afternoon. You are looking at the coach. Call it off. Take that stuff in the garage, okay? There's going to be an accident. Call it off. Call it off. Before. Chris has been looking forward to this all week, huh? He's really coming out of his shell, John. Wait. I gotta talk to you. Have a little nourishment, and then we'll hit the eye. No, no, listen to me. Call it off. There's gonna be an accident. Call it off. Well, ridiculous. We always get on that pond until March. What the hell is the matter with you? You wanna kill your own son? I'm scared, Dad. Christ's sake, John. Don't be scared. Just go eat your cookies. Don't you know who I am? Of course I know who you are. You think I'd have you come into my son's life without checking you out? But I hired you for your abilities as a teacher, not as a fortune teller. Now, don't give me any arguments. The ice is gonna break! <laughs> you gotta love walking. That's right, folks. Scream Factory is releasing a brand new 4K restoration of The Dead Zone. Now, it's not a UHD, Matt. It's just a 4K restoration, though I'm sure they may release a UHD later on down the road. Who knows? Bunch of brand new interviews, including one with actress Brooke Adams. Three new audio commentaries. Excuse me, four. Four of them. Look at that. And a bunch of other uh, legacy features on Cronenberg's adaptation of the Stephen King story. You a Dead Zone fan, Matt? I am. I think it's one of uh, the best King adaptions there are out there. I can't remember the last time I saw it, so I will be picking this up at some point. Maybe not at its what a twenty-five, twenty-eight dollar price tag right now. Mm-hmm. But if it gets down to fourteen, fifteen bucks, I'm your guy. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> also coming up, July twenty-seventh, A Quiet Place Two. You get a steel book directly from Best Buy, and you have uh, four making of featurettes included on that one. I feel like I'm all quieted out. I really like the first film. I thought the second one was okay, but kind of just a, a bit of a retread. I don't have any, uh, what's that word that I don't like to say, uh, for a third film. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought the second one was entertaining. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens if they do with the third one. But although I don't think, I don't think we could get they could do a any more than three. I think three is the limit for this franchise. Hmm. So Long Billy, also known as Pompeii, is being released, abandoned by their father. Victor and his little brother Jimmy join a community of wandering children and steal the items they find at archaeological sites. But the arrival of a charming girl full of ambition disturbs Victor and the whole group. Awaken is being released in UHD from Gunpowder Sky along with Vinegar Syndrome. Shot over a five-year period in more than 35 countries. Awaken is a poetic exploration of, the, of existence, Matt, technology, time, and memory. Executive produced by cinema pioneers Terrence Malick and Godfrey Reggio, narrated by Liv Tyler, Awaken is an exploration of the Earth, a celebration of existence, and an ode to the cosmos. 
Includes a commentary track by the director. Every Breath You Take, featuring Michelle Monaghan and Casey Affleck, a psychiatrist whose client commits suicide, finds his family disrupted after introducing her surviving brother to his wife and daughter. This looks like one of those films where they uh, anticipated having a bigger budget than when they signed those stars and then everything kind of just petered out and it ended up being like a straight-to-DVD type thing. Mm-hmm. Utopia Distribution, along with Vinegar Syndrome, is releasing Golden Arm. A tough lady trucker trains her wimpy best friend to compete in the National Ladies Arm Wrestling Championship. Kind of an overtop for the ladies. Catalog releases, you're going to have Bird with a Crystal Plumage, which I already have my copy from Arrow. You get that UHD disc, boy, 1,500 of them have the original art poster as the cover, which I have one of those. A U.S. writer in Rome witnesses and is helpless to stop an attack, Matt. He then becomes stalked by a serial killer. This, of course, is Argento's first film, the uh, considered one, not the beginning of the Giallos, but considered kind of one of the biggest ones to really bring it to the attention, particularly here in the U.S. Brand new 4K restoration of that one. Uh, audio commentaries, featurettes, interviews, Arrow goes all out on this. If you are a Bird of the Crystal Plumage fan and you get that 4K player, this is the one that gets. Uh, I haven't yet to uh, watch this since I got it, but I am eagerly looking forward to it. Scream Factor is also releasing Brotherhood out of the Wolf. That's that French... Is it a werewolf movie? I've never seen it. I know it seemed to have a passionate fan base, though. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it is a werewolf movie, but I've never seen it either. Set in 1765 during the reign of Louis XV, an epic adventure based in part on the well-known French legend. In a rural province of France, a mysterious creature is leaving a trail of mutilated corpses across the countryside, savagely killing scores of women and children. Disc 1 is an unrated director's cut of the film. Disc 2, you get the theatrical version as well as some making of featurettes. Arrow is releasing the Daimajin trilogy, which is a set of Japanese films. You have, I'm sure I'm massacring this Daimajin return of the Daimajin and then Daimajin strikes again it's the uh, story of the Majin a giant statue of an angry god that comes to life in times of desperation to punish evildoers there's a limited edition set which includes a 100 page book featuring new essays by various authors and writers uh, postcards from the original Japanese artwork for all three films and more each of them include brand new audio commentaries uh, new interviews, and a bunch of other stuff. Arrow is also releasing Vengeance Trails for classic westerns. Massacre Time, My Name is Pecos, Benditos, and God Said to Cain. Brand new 2K restorations of all four films from the 35mm camera negatives of these Italian westerns. Illustrated collector's booklet, a fold-out double-sided poster, and more. Vinegar Syndrome is releasing a standard edition of its UHD of The Beastmaster. The Mark Singer, Don Coscarelli film is getting put out now. It was originally part of a Vinegar Syndrome special. Like they created this new box mat with like a clasp on it or something for their initial UHD limited runs. So this will just be the uh, standard edition. Still has a bunch of features on it though. A brand new feature length making of documentary, archival making of documentary, Super 8 home movies with commentary by Coscarelli, outtakes. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff here. Vinegar Syndrome is also releasing standard version of Alien from L.A. This is the Kathy Ireland film, mercilessly attacked, rightfully so, on Mystery Science Theater. Brand new 2K restoration of that. Vinegar Syndrome, along with Fun City, are releasing a 2K restoration of Rancho Deluxe featuring Jeff Bridges, Sam Waterston, and Harry Dean Stanton. 
Two drifters of widely varying backgrounds wrestle cattle and try to avoid being caught in contemporary Montana. Vegas Syndrome is also releasing The Lamp, also known as The Outing. An ancient genie is released from a lamp when thieves ransack an old woman's house. Brand new 2K restoration on that one. And an extended making of documentary and audio commentary. Vinegar Syndrome strikes again with Killer's Delight, also known as The Dark Ride. A detective tracks a serial killer through San Francisco. Brand new 4K restoration of that. Four new interviews and an audio commentary track by the director, as well as some outtakes. Through the Fire, again from Vinegar Syndrome. Also known as The Gates of Hell Part 2, and also known as Dead Awakening. A young woman asks a policeman to help her find her missing sister. They find a medallion sought after by some worshippers of the demon Moloch, a beast that may be invoked and wreaks havoc, but can only be stopped with the amulet. Brand new 2K restoration of that from the internegative, audio commentary tracks, making of featurettes, interviews, and more. Vinegar Syndrome ain't done yet, Matt. Deadlock, a brand new 4K UHD of this one. Young bank robber kid staggers exhausted across an in-hospital scree. I don't know what that even means. In the middle of the blazing furnace of a desert, all he has is a filthy suit, a machine gun, and a suitcase full of money and a bullet stuck in his arm. Due to the loss of blood, he collapses unconscious in the scorching wasteland. And that's how former warden Charles Dump, a greedy, devious coward who senses a very big opportunity, finds him. Instead of removing the bullet mat, he speculates that the kid will die in agony from gangrene, and a murderous game of cat and mouse ensues between the two opponents. But the tide turns for the worse when a short time later the sadistic killer Mr. Sunshine appears on the scene, who has arranged with Kid to hand over the money. And Sunshine has no intention of sharing the loot. Audio commentary with the director, a new video interview as well, the German ending with a dedication, an English opening and insert, English ending with a dedication as well. One more vinegar syndrome. Sound and Fairy, also known as Altered Innocence. This drama depicts the misery of neglected children in big cities. 13 years old, Bruno is of a good family. But since the death of his grandmother, he spends most of his time alone in a fantasy world while his mother is away at work. But then he befriends the violent Jean Roger. New 2K restoration of that one. Kino is releasing one of the more notorious films that I am aware of. Have you seen uh, Baisemois? Am I, I have that not. Right? No. So I don't know if you're saying it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. I always called it Baisemo, but I know that's not right. It's a French film. Two young women marginalized by society go on a destructive tour of sex and violence, breaking norms and killing men and shattering the complacency of polite cinema audiences. Brand new audio commentary by film historian Kat Ellinger. A making of documentary, including interviews with the director and stars and a Q&A with the directors. Baisemo is French for, depending on how you put it, uh, Rape Me. And it actually features some adult film stars and unsimulated intercourse. It's the real deal, Matt. It's got a notorious reputation. I've never seen it, um, but I've always, I'd heard about it. Kino is releasing Shenandoah featuring uh, Jimmy Stewart. They're also releasing Clay Pigeons, the Vince Vaughn, Joaquin Phoenix, Janine Garofalo film from the 90s. They're releasing Lamore Brock, also known as Mad Love. Alias Jesse James, the Bob Hope film. Scorpion is putting out the people next door. Comfortable New York suburbanites Arthur and Jerry Mason discover one night that their seemingly perfect 16-year-old daughter, Maxie, has been tripping on LSD. Brand new 4K restoration of that one and a brand new audio commentary as well. Treasure of the Ninja also includes the films of William Lee. It's from Agfa, Matt. So this is one of those, uh, what do they call them? The uh, VHS films, the people that the shot on tape. Okay. 
New transfer from the original three-quarter-inch master tape, audio commentary with William Lee and Bleeding Skulls, Annie Choi and Joseph Zimba. A bonus movie, Dragon vs. Ninja from 1984, previously unreleased and transferred to 2K from the original Super 8. And then the shorts, The New Chinese Connection and the Willie Jack series, all previously unreleased and transferred in 2K. Matt, you're straight to DVD pick of the week. This pains me, but I've given up. It's finally come to this. I'm going with Midnight in the Switchgrass. And... Okay. This actor, one of my favorite actors growing up, has been churning out crap for so long, just collecting paychecks, that I am officially regulating him to the straight-to-DVD pile here, I guess, going forward. Bruce Willis stars along with Emile Hirsch, Megan Fox, and Lucas Haas. An FBI agent and a Florida State officer team up to investigate a string of unsolved murder cases. Just look at that cover. Murder in the Switch. Excuse me. I can't even say it. I'm so upset. Midnight in the Switchgrass with Bruce Willis and Megan Fox in the cover. And you know this is just going to be another Bruno sleepwalk fest. Pains me. What should we be streaming this week, Matt? All right, so in honor of uh, Screen Run wrapping up recently, I'm not going to recommend a Kevin Smith film just because you can listen to their show and see what Kevin Smith films you should be watching. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is kind of like a weird... It always struck me as like something Kevin Smith would do. And I'm going to recommend Fanboys, which is a slight uh kind of buddy comedy where a group of nerds decide to break into skywalker ranch and allow that their their friend who has a terminal illness to watch the phantom menace before he passes away it's a kind of a geeky buddy comedy like i said it's 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 cute and it's slight but it's fun and it always seems like it was kind of like a kevin smith film or something he would have come up with it's available on amazon prime very nice thank you matt for that recommendation Season two plans are underway. Matt, we've lined you up as a guest already, and we have no. a guest for another episode potentially. So, uh, yeah. And then we did a little teaser too on the Screen Run Twitter page. Okay. So you can uh, take a look at that. Maybe you can figure out what we're going to do for season two. Coming soon. All right. Chris Pratt. At one point a few years ago, Matt, there was talk of the four Chris's, right? You had Pine, you had Pratt, you had Hemsworth, and who am I forgetting? Uh, Evans. Thank you, Chris Evans. Poof, my favorite one. <laughs> and here I am, blanking on his name. Well, since then, Pratt has fallen a bit. And we're going to talk a little bit about his next film, Tomorrow War. And we'll talk about what's going on, I think, with a little bit of the Praster. Take a listen. Most of you will deploy with D-Force. The rest will jump with R-Force. The screen on your jump band indicates deployment. Check it now. Oh, I guess we're together. I'm Charlie. Dan, Moy. Hey, our force. You can braid each other's hair later. All right, stop talking. Listen. Totally. Uh, sorry, I, I mean, when I'm nervous, I talk, and I'm like on the, I'm like on the scale of one to ten. I'm like a 90, 97 on the nervous scale. Maybe a, like a 98. You look like a murderer. No offense. Well. Hey, I mean, you do. He will kill you. I know. I called him a murderer. Turn around, man. I am. Seth. 
I missed all of that. I love me some Sam Richardson, let me tell you. And one of the weirdest things for me watching the Tomorrow War, Matt, was a scene, a couple of scenes, particularly this one between Pratt and Richardson, where Richardson's clearly the comic relief in this film. And how just a few short years ago, those roles were not to be reversed, but it's, it's more like Pratt's looking at who he used to be. Mm. All right. That's what he was. He starts in the in Parks and Rec where he plays Andy, the sweet, goofy, affable kind of guy who can never really get his life straight, but is, you know, he's got a pure heart. Well, since then, Pratt blows up after Guardians of the Galaxy. He becomes the leading man type and then does some films and things don't really seem to be working for some reason. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 again rolls around and there he is, Peter Quill again. And fun and interesting and engaging. And I was watching The Tomorrow War and Matt and it's like, this doesn't work. He doesn't work in this role. And what what is it? And I and I can't place my finger on what the problem is. And then I, 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 I'm looking around, I'm doing some research for the show and I come across this article on Collider by Doug Lehman and it encapsulates it perfectly is that he works when he's going against type for a particular role, right? He's not the competent badass lead. He doesn't fit in that role. He is best as the kind of goofy kind of guy who gets stuck into something. And he's, I mean, think about how much of a klutz he is and, how goofy and affable he is in those Guardians films, right? Gunn knows exactly how to harness Pratt. But when you put him in stuff like Passengers or or like this now, The Tomorrow War, it doesn't work because it doesn't translate. That's not who he is. And I think that's one of my biggest issues with The Tomorrow War. If you're not familiar with Tomorrow War, Matt, it's December of 2022. Pratt plays a biology, biology teacher used to be a Green Beret. And all of a sudden, these commandos, these people pop out of nowhere at a World Cup game, tell the world that the world is ending in, what is it, 30 years, something like that? 28 years, I think it is, something, I don't know. And they have to draft people from the past to fight off this alien invasion. And Pratt is, one, of course, one of those guys, a guy who is struggling to find his way. He's... Things aren't working out for him. He's struggling, but he's still a good guy, you know, but blah, blah, blah. And he ends up teaming up with Sam Richardson and some other people to go lead this mission. Things go horribly awry. And I got to tell you, Matt, as an idea, I really like this film. I think it's an interesting idea. But in the end, it boils down to me just to be more content. What are your thoughts on The Tomorrow War? Yeah, I think for the first uh, maybe 45 minutes of this, I was pretty into it, um, despite the failings of Chris Pratt. I think the best way to describe this is if you're watching uh, Infinity War, the part where he's like trying to pretend like he's Thor, where he's like making, he's trying to, he's doing the accent like Chris Hemsworth and look, making the the smoldering looks. That's what he's doing this entire movie, minus Mm -hmm. the accent. So it seems almost like a joke, like a farce. But for the most part, Everything around it had me so engaged that I was pretty into this. Like, it didn't really bother me. And then it just keeps going and going and going. (laughs) So, like, this thing is well over two hours, which is, like, way, way, way too long. And they get kind of in this middle 
you know, after they complete their first mission and then like the stakes are raised and there's this long piece of future family drama in it. And Mm -hmm. it really gets weighed down. It's not really kind of this light, fun sci-fi action film. They should have looked more into something like live, die, repeat or edge of tomorrow. However you want to call it that did that right. Right. This, this, it works for a while, but then it ultimately kind of collapses under the weight of its own self-seriousness. Yeah, I think that's entirely right. What do you think about Pratt, though, right? It's it's competency is his kryptonite. If mm-hmm. he's supposed to be the ultimate badass guy, then it doesn't mm-hmm. work. I mean, I guess I never got the I never got the the idea that he was the ultimate badass in this. I just thought he was he was supposed to be somebody with some military training, which is way more than what everybody else that they're sending into the future. Um, so that just by comparison, he's you know, competent. And I, I, I believe that enough. I didn't, I didn't get the, the effect that he was supposed to be this ultimate badass. Like it didn't, I didn't get that at all. But what I did get was him trying to struggle with this kind of dramatic sincerity kind of family drama stuff. Cause you could almost see like Andy and Peter Quill just kind of like bubbling under the surface, just ready to come out at any second. Well, that's what it's, it's the competency I think mm-hmm. is what the issue is. Mm-hmm. He's got. He works best as the guy who screws up every now and then, drops the infinity gem, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, right? Or uh, yeah. So either way, as I said, I think there are some interesting ideas here too. Though the theme, it feels kind of that it picks from different sci-fi, gen- you know, decades as well, mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. tries to mash everything together. I think maybe the heaviest influences I got was kind of this '90s science fiction uh, feel to it, and it's. It's like a big, big budget sci-fi channel movie mm-hmm. for me, you know, and it, unfortunately, which is, it's too bad, but the script is particularly as well is really laborious at times. Some of the lines that have to be delivered and stuff, it's just very cliched stuff you've seen a thousand times before. Sam Richardson even is able to bring kind of a, a deft touch, a light touch to some of this stuff. But even he struggles with this stuff. It's just, I really think it's hampered by a, a poor script. As you said, an overextended runtime. And a film, I mean, I think it ends two or three times. But we do get a ripped J.K. Simmons, which is always yeah. fun. Yeah. That kind of helps things a little bit. But its I would say it's an entertaining throwaway science fiction, science sci-fi action film. It's really, it's, and it's basically instantly forgettable. There's some talk of a sequel. I don't know how that would work. or if it, Not so much how it would work, but if it'd be worth it. Yeah. And it's like if you saw how do I put it like a like a Timar film you know one of those Russian sci-fi action films from the late nineties early aughts that's kind of what the thing feels like but it's fine I guess the director Chris McKay has two projects lined up according to at least Wikipedia he's doing Nightwing okay uh, DCEU and then a Johnny Quest yeah. film perhaps as well okay okay so I don't know right. I think it's it's okay. Like I said, I think it's too long. This thing could have ended and then maybe set itself up for a sequel. Whereas I kind of, I although at the same time, mm-hmm. I do like how it seems to be definitively kind of taken care of. I don't think this thing really does, deserves itself a sequel um, for many different reasons. I, I do want to ask you a question about Chris Pratt. So yes. I'm kind of going through his roles in my head as many as I can remember. So like, what did you think about him as being a badass in Zero Dark Thirty as a Navy SEAL? 
Did you buy that? Was I mean, it's the same kind of role. Yeah, but he's not the lead. He's not he's not the lead star in that film. That's Jessica Chastain's film. He's mm-hmm. a background kind of supporting player in that film. And even then, he has a little bit of humor in there that I think is more successful than it was in The Tomorrow War. Absolutely. So uh, I know I pulled up his oeuvre right now. Like another good big role for him. The Lego movie is Emmett. Again, mm-hmm. goofy, mm-hmm. kind of the goofy hero. Magnificent Seven, no. This is Joshua Faraday character, not not good. But that's a bad mm-hmm. film to begin with. Passengers is just weird and creepy and just inappropriate. <laughs> Jurassic Art, the Jurassic World films. It's a perfect example. Right. I just think he is, you just don't buy him in that role. It doesn't work for me right. at all. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe you just keep making Guardians films. I don't know what to tell you. So out of the two Chris films that were that we watched, the two straight to to Netflix or straight to streaming, uh, the shoot 'em ups. Which one did you prefer? the The Chris Hemsworth vehicle that we saw a few months ago, or this? That basically seems to be the same thing. That's interesting. I think I would probably. I would probably watch the Tomorrow War over that again. Yeah. And if I had wanted a sequel, it would probably be the Tomorrow War, but more for the sci-fi elements. Right. Uh, perhaps a little more Sam Richardson. And I want to say too, I I like the the creature designs. I thought they mm-hmm. were pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought they were pretty good. So I, I enjoyed that as well. I mean, some of the film is rock stupid. I mean, how the how the creatures came <laughs> here. You know. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. You know, some of the stuff is just, it's very obvious. A lot of it, though, you know, I should be fair where it was one of those things where I didn't know if it was more that they had crashed here years ago. You know, mm-hmm. so we have your thing right. reference. In fact, there is even one scene that is a direct, I'm going to be kind and say homage to John yeah. Carpenter's The Thing. Almost sure. like somebody took a picture of it. It's right. so similar. Right. Uh, but part of me was kind of hoping it was going to be more of a, um, what's the word, kind of like an environmental thing where yeah. it was, these were actually like some kind of crazy prehistoric creatures that lived in the ground and mm-hmm. then the climate change, which caused the ice thawing release them. Cause I'm telling you, I'm still convinced that what's going to wipe us out is some super bug that's frozen in the ice someplace. It's going to mm-hmm. be released because of greenhouse gases and the melting polar ice caps and stuff. Right. I'm, confident 100 percent that that's what's going to kill us all so <laughs> i really thought that for a moment that's maybe where they were going and i was a little disappointed right. when they found the spaceship again right. again another alien slash thing reference as well sure. that's what this thing is it's just reference after reference to other films that did this much much better yeah, but to yeah. answer your question yes tomorrow war over whatever the chris hemsworth Action yeah. thing was. And see, here's the thing. I think we've always had films like this. It's just that because of streaming, they get slapped on there. They've got a big star or a big name associated with it. And you watch it. Like people watch it because it's just there and it's easy. But I mean, I, I can think of look at your boy Bruce. How many straight to DVD films has he released? Like, right? Like Hundreds. if this was back in his heyday and Netflix existed, these would have been out there way out in front. And I think that's really what you're getting is that instead of it going to this small straight to DVD, 
you know, thing where nobody watches it because it's kind of like a four letter word. They throw it on streaming services and because it's easy and there's nothing else there, people are like, oh, I'll watch this. And they do. Yeah, fair enough. What are we going to give it tomorrow, War Matt? I'm going to give it a B minus. Maybe a little generous, but uh, I had, like I said, I had a pretty good time for the first uh, 45 minutes or so of this. Yeah, I give it a C plus, so we're not that far off. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the Tomorrow War. Whew. Currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Go ahead, check it out. Choose an email. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you, as always. All right, let's move on, Matt. It's now time for our fill-in-the-blank game. You know what's weird today is my head, my brain is moving faster than my mouth today. So I've caught myself at least seven or eight times almost skipping a word as I'm talking. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm so close to getting out or so eager to get out the sentence that I'm almost skipping words. I don't know what that's about. Too much caffeine maybe this morning. I don't know. All right. TFR Libs, Matt, fill in the blank. Let's hear a little bit more from our buddy here, Nick Cage. You're Cameron Poe. That's right. I'm Larkin. Hello, Larkin. I got your message. Where are the troops? They'll be here. They'll be here. Uh-huh. In a minute. Listen, Poe. Can I lower this? Go ahead. You gonna lower yours? Sorry, boss. But there's only two men I trust. One of them's me. The other's not you. So Sedino was running a drag on everyone. Yeah. If you can't trust a South American drug lord, who can you trust, huh? That was a joke. I'm glad you told me. Now I gotta get back to the plane. You're a free man, Poe. What are you doing? I can't trade a friend's life for my own lock in this all. You got a friend on board. See, I knew I was right about you. I read your file. You're not such a bad guy, just always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Goodbye, Larkin. Matt, the 90s, there was something special about the 90s action films. I'm not sure what it was. It, of course, is Con Air. But, man, 90s were horrible. So many bad films in the 90s. I don't know why I have such a disdain for that decade, culturally, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. music-wise. A lot of, if you grew up in it, I guess that you, you that you'll like it a lot more than I do. I grew up for the 80s, so obviously I have an affinity more for 80s movies and music. But I'm, I, I feel confident in saying that the 90s were mostly cr- pretty crappy. Culture. Yeah, so I was a child through the 80s. I, from, I was 10 years old in 1989. And I was, you know, so obviously a teenager, tween, young adult in, all through the 90s. And I agree. I think most of the 90s sucked ass. Um, although we did have that kind of indie explosion, for better or worse. Um, some great films came out of that as well. That's so. true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the Tarantino got to start then. Yeah. So it's just that a lot of the blockbusters from the nineties don't, didn't have, didn't age well. And they were not even that good at the time for the most part. I mean, a few did, but like independence day, uh, the rock. I mean, those are all kinds of things that didn't age particularly well. Yeah. I mean, it's Scorsese. I mean, there were people churning out some great work then, but mm-hmm. the lion's share of it, you know, like face off, this kind of stuff oh, is just broken arrow. Remember when? <laughs> oh, God. That's so horrible bad. stuff. See, now I was yeah. I was five to fifteen in the eighties, which is okay. right. That's you know prime yeah. time right there in your youth. So 
And plus, felt to me like music just got colder to me. It's a, It was a lot harsher. Well, popular music, I don't think. Yeah. Again, it, it was there was a lot more going on in popular music, but I think as far as the more indie underground stuff, you have like Stone Cold classic stuff. I thought that that part of the '90s was was head and shoulders like fantastic decade for that kind of stuff. That's when Pixies really peaked, and you'd had brief flashes of other things. So I think a lot of the really popular stuff necessarily wasn't that great. Was seemed kind of less soulful necessarily, or at least less exciting than the stuff that was in the eighties, but we could just be old men yelling at clouds. That could be it, it could as be. well. This could be very much a get off my lawn moment. That's entirely it could fair. Be. But, and here's the thing, millennials, which people make fun of a lot. They're the oldest millennials are only like a few years younger than us. So they're pushing their late thirties and forties. So mm. they're saying probably the same thing about the nineties. So there you go. The only thing I would say is in defense of the 80s, we should do a whole show on this, is <laughs> that I I don't, maybe it'll come around again. I just don't see a 90s revival in stuff, right? I mean, 80s synth has got a big yeah. kind of return to stuff. A lot of the pop albums in the last like five years yeah. had a heavy, I think Dua Lipa did a whole album that was basically a retread of uh, a lot of 80s synth stuff. A lot of like the groups I listen to now that are new, like future islands. I love, they're a big, Mm -hmm. you know, synth band. Yeah. Uh, But then 80s horror too. I don't know what it is. 80s horror seems to be head and shoulders above any, uh, I think most horror since then. Well, I think also you got to look at it goes in it's we're in the stages. I think if you had gone back, like how far are we from the 80s? It was what? 30 years ago at this point, 40 years ago mm-hmm. for, so <laughs> if you kind of move that back, I mean, there was a time where like the eighties were kind of mocked, you know, and that was old stuff. And then what seventies kind of influence came back around again. Like, That's it true. Was, you know, like 30, 40 years from the seventies that all kind of came back around. So give it another, you know, 10 years and we'll be, we'll be back around to the nineties. It'll be the influence by then. You know, they did just make a new Scream film. So you may be entirely right about that. Mm-hmm. I just don't... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I think what's interesting, too, was I reading an article or watching a video like a month ago about how all the great horror movements have come at times of great cult- political and cultural strife in the country. Right. And, um, yeah, so I guess it clearly was a little bit of that right now. So we'll see what gets birthed in horror. Yeah, hey, horror film just won the Palm d'Or and caught. Did it? So, okay. Yeah. So the latest film from, um, I'm blanking on her name now, who did Raw, which is a film we oh, really okay. enjoyed, the French yep. uh, cannibal film. Yeah. So uh, I'm really uh, eager to see a lot of great stuff at Con this year. I cannot wait to, to hit the States. Wow. Why don't we actually get rolling here? Matt, Nick Cage <laughs> is one of our blank actors or okay. is a blank actor or however you want to run with it. What are your th- okay. thoughts on Nick Cage nowadays? Nick Cage is one of our cult actors. I think for the most part, his Nick Cage, if you've ever watched a Nick Cage interview or read any Nick Cage, he is a weird dude. Like he is, he is a, an odd duck for real. Mm -hmm. And you know, not good with money. He's very passionate about his stuff. Like, you know, spending ridiculous amounts of money on comic book memorabilia and stuff that basically made him go broke. 
And if you go back and look at his performances, like he can really have these kind of fantastic performances like Pig, like, you know, leaving Las Vegas. But 80% of his of his of his stuff is him being insane. And I think that's really just his wheelhouse. That's just who he is. And I'm okay with that at this point. I'm I will watch. I'm going to watch this horror film about killer animatronics that that he stars in. And every now and again, I'll catch up with something like Pig that he releases, you know, once every five years. That's right. <laughs> I'd say he's one of our most fascinating actors because mm. of his willingness to do anything. I'm almost at a point now where he is like going to be, he's a muse for different artists, for different directors. Mm. And they have a project. They think it's something unusual, something different. And you're like, you know who we need? We need Nick Cage. So apparently he made a film where he plays an exaggerated character of himself. Oh, and I, I feel like I feel like I need to see this. It's the one film he says he won't watch huh. of his own. Yeah. So I got to track that down. Yeah. Interesting. Keep doing what you do, Nick, though. All right. Keep doing what you're doing. It's always you exciting. Do. It's always That's exciting. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, we kind of, I believe it or not, we had that whole discussion about Chris Pratt and that actually is one of my, my uh, yeah. TFR libs here. So I'm just going to throw it out there just so I have three. So Chris Pratt after guardians three will blank. We'll begin to, I think Peter out a bit. I know he's got the next Jurassic park or Jurassic world film coming out as well. And maybe he'll pop up. I mean, he is in Thor love and thunder. So, and then though I know guardians three is after that. But uh, I don't know. I just think that the public attitude towards him has kind of softened. And maybe he'll just take a, he'll transition into more character stuff or just keep churning out these Amazon sci-fi type things or something. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just see a, no, I just don't think he's a rising star he once was, which is too... I, I, I'm sure he's a fine guy. He needs to find what works for him and stick with it, and maybe it's character work. I don't know, maybe he needs some kind of rejuvenation through via Soderbergh film or something like that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think it's... He is dwindling and maybe transitioning to character actor. Yeah. What's your answer? Yeah, I would say fade away. I think him and Hemsworth, I think, are, are the two Chris's in real danger of like kind of once they exit the Marvel stage and the kind of love that they built up from that, that they will kind of become placeholder actors or like you said, in smaller films, character actors, things like that. I mean, Jackman is got that new film coming out, right? Have you seen the trailers for that? I've seen it a few times at some of my screenings. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that's what it's going to be, where he'll pop up mm -hmm. once in a while and something. And you know, oh, it's Hemsworth. It's Thor. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, or maybe he'll turn that Netflix series into another uh, franchise and he'll just make those for 10 years. Who knows? Yeah. And he'll be, he'll be the next Liam Neeson. There you go. <laughs> Matt, Disney's decision to go back to exclusively theatrical releases is blank. So no more Disney premium access. An inevitable decision, which is, again, this is the problem with TFR Labs. I had a very similar question as my, as my next one. But yeah, I think the kind of backlash over the kind of collapse of the Black Widow numbers that they had after the second weekend and the kind of calling out by the theater owners um, as things kind of move back to normal and by the sheer fact that 
Disney's not, I don't think, in trouble of going down, but they're hurting. I mean, they're hurting for money, and they they need some some goodwill. So I think uh, I think it was inevitable and probably the right decision. I think as we move past the pandemic, hopefully that uh, we kind of I, I don't begrudge them that fact. I th- yeah, I think it's it it's the right decision. I think especially too, just for people like me and you, well, I think more of me, I think you wouldn't be as upset as I am about losing the uh, our theatrical experience. Mm-hmm. It's still very, very special to me because I'm sensitive. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's the right decision and I'm glad that they're doing it. I don't want to watch these big adventure type films on my TV screen. Do I have a relatively large screen? Yeah, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the same. Yeah. So um, I'm very pleased that they're doing this. Yeah, I wouldn't even argue that the watching them on the picture on the on the big screen is really the draw. I think it's more the whole kind of surrounding experience of it. It's like it's a night out, even if it's or an afternoon out or whatever, you know. And it's something to do, and that's that's really more about it's everything around the theater. It's not really the watching the film on the screen itself. All right, to the communal experience. There's nothing like mm-hmm. seeing a horror film or a comedy. Uh, in a theater with a bunch of other people. Well, as long as you have a good, uh, a good audience right with it, yeah. If yeah. if not, it completely ruins the experience for that's you. Fair. So that is that's a that's a coin flip for you. That's very fair. All right. Well, I'll skip that question. So now I only have two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the with everything that's coming up and everything that we've got so far, the box office champ of 2021 will be. Ooh, that's a good question. So let me look. It's funny. I have my calendar open right now. So, you know, I don't have the last, I don't have November or December filled in, though. So when you say the box office champ, too, does it have to be that year? It has to, like, complete its run in 2021, or it just has to be released in 2021? I think it just has to be released in 2021. I mean, like, if Dune kind of somehow, stop. against all just odds, makes stop. makes money. But I was, that was the only thing I could think of late coming out late at the end of the year that I wanted to use as an example. That's all. There is no way. That Dune, uh, I'm telling you, Matt, it's going to stink. I really feel bad for you and for me, but more so mm-hmm. for you. That thing, no one's going to go see that. It's going to no. make a couple hundred million, I think, and then that's going to be it. It's going to be, yeah. I just don't think there's any pull for it. Yeah, I'm more sad for uh, Denis. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to kind of really kill his chances to get these big budget films. But you know what? We We still love him. Watch it on the bean jackass forever. Um, <laughs> so right now, domestically, we're looking at F9 with a domestic gross of 150. I'm going to be generous and up and round up 156 million. Wow. Even more than a Marvel film. That's crazy. So that's because you said Black Widow fell off a cliff. Yeah. Though I guess, too, there are a lot. I mean, a lot, supposedly, of pirated copies of Black Widow out there. No, because that was the one of the things yeah, it's yeah. one of the things they quoted as one of the reasons. Yeah. Uh, so your big films coming up, right? Yeah, Kingsman, no. Matrix movie, no. Spider-Man No Way Home, I, I don't think so. West Side Story's got a shot. I you think, think so? I no. think. No, no, you're right. It's a musical. It doesn't. No, no way. So was it Top Gun Maverick? Uh... Is it Dune? It's not going to be Dune. It's not going to be. Is it No Time to Die? That could be. I don't. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think Bond has there's as no much Star pull. Wars. There's no Avengers. Yeah. What about Suicide Squad? I'm leaning towards Suicide yeah. Squad. You don't, think, don't so? think 
I don't think so. No? I think it's people are going to be turned off by that film. I'm confident. It's if it's if it's my concern is it's more super than it is Guardians. Right. And if it's more super, that's not a film for everybody. I'm sure it's going to have a wider appeal than that film. Yeah, that, much that film so. had, like appealed to no one. <laughs> <laughs> but not even me. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Man. All right, well, I got to pick somebody. Ooh. Oh, I think I got it. I think I got it. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? I'm, I'm uh, obviously you can see me right now. Jungle Cruise. You think that's the one? Disney, The Rock. Yeah. I think Jungle Cruise could run if it's good, could run for like the rest of the year. I think, think could so? be the, in the theaters for three months and really? just churn out five mil a week for like the next two three months. And uh, now this is all saying that, you know, we get the Delta variant under control, which we won't. So, (laughs) hey, man, Republicans are actually starting to come out now saying, oh, crap, we're killing our own constituents. (laughs) And the the margins are so close, we can't have that happen. So, yeah, I think and it's good. But as the kid appeal as well, Mm -hmm. it's a Disney movie for the kids. It does have a I think it's it's going to get that premier access, though, isn't it? Shit. Oh, it is. I thought. I thought it wasn't. I thought they were. I thought they were done after Black Widow. Oh, are they officially done? Because Black. I, I thought it had. A, it has here. Or is it just production company Disney Plus? All right. So maybe not. Okay. Okay. So I think if I had to guess, I would go either No Time to Die, unless we are. We've cl- cleared, you know, one point five million dead at that point by the time that yeah. thing comes out, or um, Jungle Cruise. If I had to choose one, I'd probably go Jungle Cruise just because the mass appeal of it. Yeah. I no, no, not Venom. I honestly, I I honestly, I don't know why. I'm gonna go Dark Horse, even though Chris says absolutely not. I'm saying Suicide Squad. I I have this weird feeling that word of mouth is gonna build this thing like it did for Guardians. So that's my Dark Horse pick. But if we're going worldwide, I'm gonna say Shang-Chi. Because I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna kill in China. Uh, it may very well. Shang Chi's a good pick too. That would probably be my number three. Yeah. Adam's Family too, though. Oh, you, you can't discount the kid movies. You can't. Eyes of Tammy Faye. Anyway, all right, Matt. MCU's Phase Four looks to be blank. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put in two words in here: exciting and possibly overstuffed. Possibly overstuffed. I think this one, I'm really excited to see what they do with this. The shows have been like good to great. I'm really curious to see what happens with this multiverse of madness stuff, Mm -hmm. which is also interesting because the flash film is also doing a multiverse thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see which one gets beat to the punch on this one. But yeah, I think it's phase four. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. And I can't wait till we start finally seeing the X-Men and, and the Fantastic Four and all that kind of stuff. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I have is uh, is transitionary. But I would also throw in exciting. I'm actually, yeah. the way this is shaping up by how well the shows have been, I may be as excited as I've been for the MCU. First off, I've always loved Kang. Mm. And uh, I think this is a great villain with lots of possibilities, especially with the introduction of the multiverse. And then, as you said, 
the sweeping in of the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, particularly Doctor Doom, is finally going to be here. Uh, there's lots of great stuff to come. And then we're transitioning. We're pushing people out, right? Haley Steinfeld's going to be Hawkeye or whatever yep. her name is. Yeah. Right? We're, we're redoing things now. You have Sam is Captain America. It's a whole brand new thing. So um, I'm really kind of excited to see how things shake out for Phase 4. Yeah. Yeah. It's really inter- It'll be really interesting to see what they do with all that stuff. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. They got my vote. Yeah, which is funny because previously I thought, well, after everything wrapped up after phase three, I'm like, well, this is it, right? I mean, they're going to be mm-hmm. struggling for stuff now. What are they going to come up with? And uh, it's been good. All right, Matt, I'll get us to six total. I got one more for you. You ready? Okay. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan is blank. Uh, inconsistent. I'll say that. Um, he will have these flashes of a good to really good film, a la Split or something like that, or even something stupid but still entertaining like The Visit, and mm-hmm. then he'll drop... I have a feeling old's not not going to be good on this one. I'm not looking forward to this at all. Or Glass. I was very, very disappointed in Glass. So, uh, yeah, I think he's incredibly inconsistent. But we've said multiple times on this show that his wheelhouse seems to be these kind of smaller um, B films. So maybe old will be great. We'll see. Yeah, I would describe him as confounding because he mm. will make something really great. Your Sixth Sense, your Unbreakables. I even, uh, and, and of course, Signs, which is great. Yeah. There are flashes of the village that are good. I yeah. think it's just an overlong Twilight Zone episode. But I think that's where he is now, right? If he turns out these kind of expanded Twilight Zone type things, mm-hmm. then I think that's where he shines. I really like the visit. And uh, I I respect Glass. Though I don't mm. like it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Because, folks, next week, we're going to transition here. But before we do so, feedback at thefirstrun.com. How would you answer this fill in the blanks? We'd love to hear from you. We are supposed to do a two for next week, Matt. We'll see if that shakes out. But it's supposed to be okay. Snake Eyes and Old. Wow. Plus our five favorites. Uh, G.I. Joe. I have characters. Could be things. I don't know. Like, maybe you like the Asp. The little tank thing. I don't know. Dude, sure. What's your five favorite? And I, I'm going to focus more. I'm eschewing the, those two films. I'm going to pretend okay. they don't exist. When okay. I do my list. I'm going to okay. focus on the toys and maybe the cartoon okay. uh, from my youth. So right, uh, you'll talk about all of that and more next week. In the meantime, check us out at the first run.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. And you'll be able to find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Uh, We'll read it on air and help other people find the show. And that's it. Matt, why don't we go ahead and uh, take an extended break? We'll see you all soon. Please get vaccinated. I want to keep going to the movies. i got a Yankee game coming up at a concert in New York. And now I have strength. 